The Florida Gators 2024 recruiting class is about wrapped up, and we're going to talk about it here with Brian Smith on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast and on YouTube. Happy Thursday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Giants Country and NFL 33. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And now here is Brian Smith. Joining me now for Locked On Gators is Brian Smith, Locked On's recruiting insider and the host of Locked On Seminoles. Before we talk about the 2024 class, I do want to remind you that LinkedIn is the college recruiting sponsor across the Locked On Podcast Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right qualified candidates to talk to faster and for free post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions do apply and brian i know that the last couple of times we've had you here we've talked about 2025 and we will get back to that but florida did i, I want to say finalize their 2024 recruiting class over the past week or so uh adding jameer grimsley and deandre robinson we're going to talk about jameer grimsley first just what's your opinion of him as a corner he can play it at six two and three quarters. That's his actual size and just his feet. Length to be that boundary guy that takes on the bigger receivers and the speed on track in Florida. He's one of the better 100-meter guys that never goes out of style, and he's a kid that can run with the twitchy kids that play outside or in the slot. So versatile, maybe even be able to play a little nickel at that size, which is rare, and he also has the ability to tackle. He's a physical kid carries himself like a defensive player, even though some people liked him at receiver as well. This is a big-time football player. Yeah, what do you think of his ceiling? Because we talk about his athleticism, his length, like like tools. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like we can kind of say is there, and like we mentioned, you know, some people like him better at receiver, which indicates ball skills there. But what do you think of his ceiling as an SEC cornerback? He can be a number one. He can be a top three corner in the league. All the physical traits are there. He's a smart kid. He doesn't care about the competition. He goes out and competes. And the reason I really, really like him the time that I first time that I saw him this past spring when he was out at practice, he had just got done with the track meet. His hamstring was sore. Jairus McIntyre, a Catholic, told me, he says, I don't know if he's going to really do much today, but LSU had showed up and they hadn't offered yet. And he he didn't need any more offers, but he went out and stretched out, did the best he could, ran all over the place, even with a sore hamstring just to prove that he was good. There was Georgia was there, uh, there three or four other SEC schools, including LSU, et cetera. He wanted to prove who he was, Florida, et cetera. Those kind of guys tend to end up on the upper end of the uh, statistical ladder when you've got that competitive edge to go with the natural traits. And again, you can't teach six, two and three quarters in the long arms in the ball skills and the speed. So I like him a lot. Yeah. And then, I do have to ask about his potential impact this season because 
I don't think Florida's corner room is good. I've been very open about that. I think you've got Jason Marshall Jr. You've got Devin Moore, who is constantly battling injuries. Then you've got Jakeem Jackson, Dijon Johnson, Ethan Pouncey, and and that's kind of your corner room makeup there. Is he someone that he might be thrown into the game, let's just say in 2024. Is he someone that you think can fare well this year? I don't like any freshman corner in the SEC. Yeah, me neither, but but apparently <laughs> I'm an idiot for saying that to my listeners. I just want to Well, uh, fans are, are all the same regardless of school. Fan is short for what? Fanatic. Realistically, that's not the best way to go. Uh, you don't see too many schools doing it. I mean, for every Kool-Aid McKinnistry at Alabama, there are 10 other kids that got destroyed in practice, and you don't hear about them for the rest of the year. They didn't make it out of fall camp on the depth chart. So let's let's be realistic there. But he is going to have a chance because, like, Jason Marshall hasn't gotten it done. Some of the other guys are either banged up or haven't developed yet. Dijon is one of those guys I know. But you got to prove it. Florida was terrible in big moments last year, and consistently so. They had their moments that were better, obviously, with the Florida State game, et cetera, and that's a good sign. But now with new defensive coaches, it's it's just start from scratch. Everybody's kind of in the same spot. You don't know who's going to start. Florida's coaches don't know who's going to start. So why not see the new guy? There's nothing wrong with that. And Jameer Grimsley could end up being at least a, a rotational player for the Gators. And you need depth anyway. You're going to have injuries, and they have – I'm sure Gator fans know this – Arguably the most difficult schedule in the country next year. You're going to have to rotate guys every week, a little bit more than most, to make it through. The, the back half, 7 through 12, will not be friendly because there just are no off weeks, really, in terms of having that easy game to help you in addition to a bye week. So Florida's going to need depth from guys like Jameer if he's not starting. Yeah, uh, Florida has just one not Power 5 game next year, and it's week two. So it comes very early against Samford. Uh, you end the season after your bye week. You have Georgia, then you're at Texas, then you host LSU, then you host Ole Miss, and then you're at Florida State. Uh, so five ranked opponents to end the year. Not going to be very fun there. Uh, but I do want to ask about, you mentioned Florida has new defensive coaches, specifically in the secondary. You have Will Harris there now coming over from the Chargers, and he was at Washington prior to. How does that kind of pair when you have a lot of unproven corners. It's like looking at Corey Raymond last year, he might've seen, I don't know, Dijon Johnson get toasted in practice. And maybe that changes his opinion, but here with Will Harris clean slate for everybody, including Jason Marshall jr. Who had one of the worst years in college without a power five starter, the second most yards per catch allowed at the power five level among starters at 24.2 yards per catch. So everybody has a clean slate. How does that fare for the true freshmen and the returning seniors like Jason Marshall? You're going to give everybody a chance in spring ball. I assume Grimsley is going to be enrolled and everything's good and all that. He gets his shot too. It's, it's 50, 50. I mean, this guy I haven't seen and this guy I haven't seen. Everybody's going to go out there in front of me. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying Grimsley just has, you know, the newness to being in college, but everything else is the same. I wouldn't be shocked by anybody that started. I mean, Marshall, I'm sure everybody's going to pick because it's the easy, just insert him into the lineup guy. But what has he proven? He gave up 24 yards of catch, man. I mean, I've seen him. You know, I saw him play in high school. He was really good, but he just hasn't gotten any better. He has not adapted to the college game for whatever the reason. 
they don't fix that, and it's not going to matter because this staff won't be there next year, then we'll make it through the end of this next season. They've got to fix that problem. So I would assume Billy and his entire staff are going to work a lot with DB. You could argue it's the biggest problem moving into next year. It's certainly the discussion. O-line would probably be another one that Gator fans like to discuss. I don't want any part of that topic. That's That brings a fire from Florida fans. But why not? Why, why not Jameer Grimsley at least competing for a starting job by the end of spring because he has just as good a shot as anybody based on last year? And I do have to ask about Jameer Grimsley. Very long, wiry, lean athlete. Is that a concern for you at the SEC level? Just that he, he looked relatively thin. I don't even care what the weight's listed as. He looks like a thin guy. To a certain degree, but he's naturally physical, and he's a kid that likes to strike. I don't think that'll be as big a deal for him as it is for some other kids. Again, the way he carries himself, it's more like a defensive player. He'll be fine. Passion, drive, and patience, that's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. Yeah, 122 million with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Looking at the, the trenches on the defensive side where Florida – also made an addition last week in DeAndre Robinson. Right. How do you feel about him? Because I know that it, depending on where you're looking and when you're looking in, in the summer, it was, oh, this guy's going to be the next big thing. And then kind of fell off a little bit on recruiting services. And now he's a blue chip or three-star, depending on where you're looking. So where do you fall on DeAndre Robinson, who apparently everyone is very opinionated on? He's a kid that has a lot of upside. He's 315 pounds, something like that. He's strong as an ox. He just needs technical work. I don't think he's going to play much, if at all, next year because Florida has some depth there. And if you don't have good technique in the SEC and you're an interior player, you're going to get mauled. So I think he's probably going to be a guy that plays four games in red shirts. I've seen him play several times, Under Armour, live games, etc. He's a big dude, but his technical work is a long way from being ready to play. I, I know what you're talking about with some Gator fans think he's going to come in and make an impact. That That is not what I see. Yeah, um, me neither. But where do you think he would slot on the defensive line? Is he purely a nose? Is he someone who can kind of play the nose and three-tech? Is he purely a three-tech, in your opinion? Where do you think he slots long-term at the SEC level? Either or. He can, he can two-gap. He's a strong dude. So you can put him a nose and have him hold the point of attack as a zero technique or play a one one gap and go to a certain degree. He's not like his burner, but he's in pretty decent shape. He got himself in better shape his senior year. And if they double him, he can hold the point of attack and, and kind of just build a wall there, and it's second and eight. That's what you're looking for when teams run power inside. So I think he's fine. Which spot he ends up playing more is probably going to be more predicated on what other players end up being with the Gators. Transfer portal, injuries, he'll be able to slide to either spot. Very athletic frame, though, and he's a kid that when he gets going downhill, that's not much fun to deal with. Yeah, and, I mean, 
great athlete, not technically refined in any way, shape, or form. No matter how loose you want to use that word, he is not technically refined. Um, what do you think of his long-term ceiling? Is he someone that you think is going to be teach him how to push the pocket as a pass rusher and you're looking at a potential NFL guy, or is it like he, he he'll be a rotational player at the SEC, low-level starter? He's a kid that could end up at any different level. The, the physical tools you cannot teach. DeAndre loves football. He's been a guy that we've known about for years. He was always the big kid. He played at Jones High School in Orlando, which is always going to take on a, a big-time schedule. And quite frankly, he's a kid that expects to get better as time moves forward. He, his goal is to make the NFL. So it just depends on how well he takes the coaching. He could be, because of his strength, he could be a guy that walks people back to the quarterback if he gets his technical aspects taken care of. But at the same time, that's the big if. You never know with linemen. It's harder to project there than anywhere else, especially on the interior. There's not much space. Any miscalculated step you take, hand movement will be magnified. So I would assume that it's up to him. Uh, Florida obviously needs him and other defensive players to take a step forward figuratively and literally because their defense was not where it needed to be by anybody's standards, let alone the Gators this past season. So he's going to have opportunities, but they do have a little more depth there than other spots. So this first year, let's see what he can do. Year two, I expect him to play a lot more. Yeah, and I feel like with a lot of kids, we've kind of talked about their recruitment. We didn't so much with, De with DeAndre Robinson, but came down to Florida and Texas really ultimately chose Texas and then defensive line sure. coach at LSU. And then he came back to Florida just throughout his recruitment. Where have you kind of viewed him as, is he someone who for you, like, like I mentioned in the summer, I feel like a lot of people were thinking like, Oh, he's going to be the next big thing. Is he someone that you thought would be that and just didn't live up to the expectations? Or is he someone that, you know, it has always been, he's not going to be good until he gets to college. He's a kid I knew that just needed to refine stuff. It's just technical. Like he changed his body, which is a good sign. He's in better shape as a senior, just significantly than he was as a junior. And his first step get off is really good. So now how do you maximize that? Which steps does he take to get better with a specific move or a group of moves? I don't know how long that's going to take. And it depends on what Florida asks him to do, because they might ask him to play nose more early on. I, I'm really not sure because he's one of the rare guys that has the size as a freshman to do it. If he if he figures that out, though, maybe he ends up playing a both in a little bit earlier than I think, and that gives him a chance to make some inroads on playing this year. So versatility is one of his biggest strengths. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about the defensive line recruiting for Florida, where you have LJ McCray, and, and you've got uh, DeAndre Robinson, and you've got Makai Boyroe, and you brought in Brian Taylor from uh, the JUCO ranks. Where do you think he kind of slots in? I'm pretty sure he's uh, the second highest rated defensive line commit for Florida, but where do you kind of slot him in the class as a, we'll, we'll say nose tackle, because I think that's where he's going to wind up long term. Somewhere in the middle. Um, he's the hardest one to project because of his size. You just can't teach it. Uh, Boy Rose, a kid's a bit of a project, but he he made a big leap this past year. In terms of his frame, he was close to 400 pounds. He's lost a lot of weight and gotten a lot better. He's under 350, if I remember correctly now. So one of those two needs to be the main guy in those guard. And if nothing else, like you said, they can rotate there or whatever. But I would say both of them are in the middle. 
I think it's kind of obvious McCray is the crown jewel of that group um, long term. He's new to the position, but McCray's talent is is through the roof. I don't know anything about the JUCO kids, so I'm not going to speak on that. But at the same time, I, don't, I really don't get to see them very much. Hopefully they can get something out of him. He's 6'6", 270, so he certainly has the size. I assume they're going to play him at DT or DN. But Florida got kids with upside and a lot of size in this class. So I'm curious if any of them can make an impact this next year, though. I, I like that you mentioned Florida got kids with upside. It does seem like at every position they kind of banked on upside. You look at the offensive line recruiting, and it's Fletcher Westfall, yeah. and then you have a bunch of guys who it's like, well – we're going to hope that we can mold them, but they're good enough athletes. And you look at tight ends, Amir Jackson, who I feel like when he was at Portal, uh, really glorified wide receiver. And then he's just going to be playing tight end there. Like he was used on end arounds and reverses and, and right. screens. And that's, that's not how SEC tight ends are typically used. So it's about translating there. How do you feel about that approach of just going, we're banking completely on upside? Because there were some players who you didn't bring in blue chip talent there. But again, like you you can see the upside with them. Well, I think there's a couple of kids like Aaron Childs I saw at Under Armour. I think he can help early. Now, he's not enrolled early. He's at Our Lady of Good Council, which probably isn't going to allow him to graduate. And he signed his letter of intent. I think he's coming in the summer. But he's a, he's a little bit different cat. When he walked out on the field, I'm like, holy cow, who is that? Kids like him, Miles Graham, uh, obviously he's been around football his whole life because of his father. I think they'll be able to assimilate regardless of the ranking. Those guys are ranked high anyway. But I think their upside is still pretty high despite being top 100, top 150 kind of kids. And then Lagway, uh, standing there a few feet away and watching him throw. If anything happens at quarterback that's unfortunate, he could step in and play next year. That's not, again, I don't like freshmen playing at corner. I really don't like them playing at quarterback in the SEC. But Lagway has the size, the arm strength, and the natural athleticism to make plays that you can't teach. So maybe there's a few kids that are like that. But overall, it, it is kind of odd because you don't think of Ford as a school of being developmental. That's more like Wisconsin or that's more like Texas Tech, something of that nature. Florida just took a ton of athletes that have tremendous upside. Jameer, Amir Jackson, that'd be another one. That's a kid that I think has got tremendous talent. But is he ready to be a blocker at Florida right away? No, he's probably going to be more of a big receiver. That would be my guess. So it is interesting. Yeah, you mentioned Miles Graham and Aaron Charles, and I did want to ask about that because one thing that I hate is freshman playing at, at linebacker in the SEC, especially uh, especially as we see. Yeah, more RPO game in Florida has – Ole Miss on the schedule, which means that Lane oh. Kiffin is going to attack you at linebacker. How do you feel about because you like we know that they can play early, but what kind of impact do you think they can have in you twenty four? If you're playing teams like Ole Miss, and they're probably the most heavy RPO team in the SEC, if not the country, man, you got to give them really specific roles. Like play, okay, you're blitzing on this play. Come hell, come high water, no think. And that's just not how inside linebacker works. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan either. Teams that are a little more traditional in style that aren't as spread-oriented, and I don't know where those schools are anymore, that, you know, like Michigan, they, they even run some of it, and they run, like, multiple shifts to cause the same chaos. Ask Washington in the title game. They got out-schemed really bad. It's not easy. You're, you're trying to get somebody out-leveraged, 
And when they're in pass coverage, they're running behind. It, it's it's the same thing. I'm not sure that either one of them are ready for that. But if you make them a blitzer or a nickel linebacker, third down and six, and you're, okay, you're just taking the tight end. This is your guy. I know coaches hate that, but I'm strongly suggesting they figure that out, especially with linebackers moving forward because college football is just going so RPO heavy. You can't give them broad base. It just doesn't work. So I, I don't know. I Miles Graham looked really good. And, you know, the other kid, I can't see how they don't play some. I don't know how you can get them on the field and get them away from the RPO because everybody's going to attack the freshman linebacker. You're 100% correct. It is quite the conundrum because both of them are really good players. Yeah. Uh, my theory is just put them on the field and just be like, hey, you're blitzing. Just just don't care. Just just that's it. That That's your whole responsibility because defensive coaching is just, I mean, a nightmare. It, it, there's oh, just you're no, at the disadvantage. College where, like, the RPO, you can go like five yards downfield. They get three technically, but they don't call it a three. Yeah. Yeah. Lane gets five. I'll tell you that. Lane Kiffin gets five. It's like how LeBron just gets the calls. Lane gets five. Uh, that, that's how he's assaulted everybody. Uh, but looking at this class as a whole, I mean, in recent weeks on my show, we've talked about the five pillar positions that uh, former Falcons general manager Thomas Ruitroff really honed in on where it's like you need to get a key player at quarterback, offensive tackle, pass catcher, pass rusher, and corner. And with the addition of Jameer Grimsley, Florida added a premier player. And and for just college purposes, I'm just saying blue chip recruit at all five of those positions. So when you look at Florida's recruiting class, do you look at it and go, yeah, they they were rated at like top three and then fell off a lot when they lost a few guys and went to 16. And then now we're up at uh, at 13. Do you look at that and just go, this is a strong recruiting class or is it not as much? I think it's a little better than people think. And I say that because I was around some of the kids at Under Armour, strong up the middle in baseball, catcher, pitcher, second, short, center. Their linebacker core is going to be great. They got Wagway, who I have the utmost respect for. And they've got some size on the offensive line. That's kind of your crux of your offense. You've got to start with that. And guys like Westfall are really talented. Somebody's going to hit out of that group. Yeah, obviously, you hope it's Wagway above all else because he's quarterback. But having that many guys there, and then you add the perimeter guy at corner that Grimsley is a very rare talent, why would they not have a chance? If they can hit on just the key spots that you mentioned – this class could be the one that saves Billy's job and eventually gets Florida back in the SEC race. Worst case scenario, maybe they get back in the SEC race with somebody else's head coach. I don't know. Freshman, it's still iffy on how much they will or will not play. I'm not going to say otherwise, but they're going to have talent, whether it's this year or next year. I mean, they're still bringing in a lot of guys. It's still Florida and adding the kind of kids they did this year. If you're bitching about the 13th ranked class, that tells you that you're a program that expects really good things. Yeah, and that, yeah, I, I think that uh, Florida Gators fans at this point are looking at just keep them in the portal when there's an eventual uh, when there's an eventual change. But hey, that, that's the approach. Never a never a dull moment in Gator Nation. But thank you so much, Brian. This is Brian Smith, Locked On's recruiting insider and the host of Locked On Seminoles. Don't worry, not a Seminoles fan. Calm down. I don't care about the comments that we're going to get. Catch him all throughout the Locked On College channel and every week on Locked On Gators.
Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast and on YouTube. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Giants Country NFL 33, and I will see you all next time.